0: I love them though i love them both they're
1: so nice yeah okay and the them we're talking about is (laughs) my gay mommies is okay persis now has two gay mommies and we love them to death amanda and kendra from big queer book club which is a podcast that we um have been getting into for the last few months ever since i think they stumbled across us And kind of reached out and asked if we wanted to be on their pod. We did. On every episode of their podcast, they bring a guest on to talk about a queer book. And so we read a queer book and then went – it's like a book club. So we went on and talked about it with them. It was so fun. And we were like, you guys got to come on our pod. So they did. And we chat with them about our favorite queer films adapted from books. Yeah, because full disclosure, guys. Full disclosure. (laughs)
0: sarah and i aren't really the biggest like what you say um having fun isn't hard when you've got a library library card
1: card? no Mm -mm. we've never really been those types of gals no i wanted to be like when arthur was singing that to me as a child i wanted it that's the future i wanted for myself
0: it is it's what i wanted as well no
1: but, no, I was more the Jekyll. Remember that <laughs> so,
0: Jekyll, so, Jekyll hide, yes. Mr. Hyde. Yes Wait, Jekyll,
1: Jekyll, jekyll Hyde. Jekyll, 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 Jekyll Hyde. Jekyll, 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 jekyll Hyde. But I loved me a little jekyll, jekyll, Jekyll Hyde, and I didn't take the library card advice into my life, but I took the Jekyll, Jekyll Hyde advice. <laughs> <laughs>
2: because
1: yeah, I have two personalities.
0: Because here's what it is, okay, guys. This is my take. This is my hot take. The brain,
1: okay. the brain character. Are...
0: You ne- the character the brain you yes. never saw that sl- <laughs> you never saw that <laughs> <laughs> you never saw that musical
2: sign of him no never never, saw- <laughs> never did, and it was a full-on yeah. theatrical experience of the brain
1: yes imagine like the shyest kid in your class <laughs> all of a sudden being the star of the school musical <laughs> that's what it was exactly Okay, but what we were trying to say, segue, is that we just don't really read that much. Listen, we don't, but we're really trying to because we know it's good for you, <laughs> and there are just so many good books out there. I would love to read more books that I know are going to turn into movies, so I can like read the book first and then see the movie. But anyway, uh, what? Why did we bring that up? Because queer Book Club welcomed us into their world even though we're not big bookies but we are film gals and so are they so we decided to talk about a whole bunch of films that were adapted from books and it was cool because I actually had not read a single one of these books but they had read many of them and so they had really cool takes on like what was different between the book and the movie you know what they liked what they didn't like uh, what was left out those types of things
0: yeah, it was a really good conversation because even for me, I'd only read one of the books out of all of them. And it's just inspired me to actually read the books, especially, as you guys will see in the episode, Fried Green Tomatoes. Yes. Because you'll as you'll see, so I don't want to give too much away, but there were moments in the movies where I was like, in that movie, sorry, specifically, where I felt, I don't know how queer this really feels right now. But then Amanda and Kendra were saying, it's very, very clear in the book. So it made me want to read
1: it. Me too. I can't wait to put all the books on my reading list. And if you guys want a new pod to listen to, you've got to listen to Big Queer Book Club. You can get it anywhere you get your podcasts. Um, And they have really cool guests on all the time, including us. Our episode with them, we read a book called All Out. And it was really great. Yeah. So Lots of like short stories. Yeah. It was a book of short short stories. stories. Yeah. Yeah. Real, real ones. Not fake.
0: Not fake like us.
1: Guys, I don't know if anyone knows what's going on, but I'm so happy that we had this fun conversation.
0: Me too. Amanda and Kendra are so lovely. Thank you guys so much again for joining Girl on Girl, and yes. we're really excited for you guys to take in this conversation that we had with
1: them. I think it's a fun one. Okay. Well, enjoy the episode, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> and thank you, Amanda Kendra. We love you so much. Amanda Kendrick. You, Amanda Ke- Amanda Kendrick. <gasps> almost like Anna Kendrick that's wild this blue light is really
2: tripping me breaking out me
1: out like what if who do you think it is
0: a spirit
1: like it just really wants to talk to us Wants to be on the pod.
0: Yeah. I'm a little scared because it just came out of nowhere.
1: It's a guest star. Well, I've never seen it before. That's why I'm like, this is a real spirit.
3: (laughs) (laughs) You can't get rid of it. Don't even try. What's a spirit? What are you talking about? Guys. Hi. Sorry.
1: (laughs) Do you you see that blue? That's never. Me and Purse? have have zoom chatted every week for like this entire year and i've never seen that blue light oh, that
2: interesting. Is interesting i'm,
1: I'm a little, little scared
2: hand up like where that would be and like it's in front of your hand so i feel like oh,
3: like is it your
1: camera lens yeah See? guys i'm scared <laughs> <laughs> it's an orb someone is just someone really wants to be a guest on the pod <laughs> that's what it is <laughs> Hey, friends, what are you drinking? I got wine. Oh,
2: classy. Okay. Got a little early riser coffee porter.
1: Oh, that sounds really nice. That sounds delicious. I was deciding between a beer and a coffee because I I was feeling a little tired, but I got a burst of energy right before this. But you got the best of both worlds. Yeah. So it's caffeinated.
3: Yes. Yeah. I coffee could, and beer. Sounds really good. Mm. First, are you drinking wine, too?
0: Yep, I have a rosé.
3: Super classy together. <laughs> yeah, it's very, we're, we're just classy
0: like that.
1: We are, really.
0: It's like a Peller Estates, I hope I'm saying that right, A Ontario wine, BQA. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, Ontario wine is great. You guys should try it sometime if you have it. Yeah, what makes Ontario wine special? We have a cold climate, and that's what makes it special. Um <laughs> That's as far as I can go with the wine, with the wine knowledge. You're but my mind right now.
0: <laughs> I'm so impressed I wouldn't have said that.
1: <laughs> we just have like a different flavor to our grapes because girl, it's cold here. Okay. Guys, we're so excited to talk to you again. We're we happy that you asked to talk to us again or that you mm-hmm.
2: agreed to talk to us again.
1: That we well, were you allowed us to force ourselves upon you. Right. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. We were like, we have to say yes to these people. Like, Like, I guess we'll make it happen. It's so annoying.
2: I know, and we're Canadian,
1: so. It's only our nature. (laughs) Actually, I guess to start off, tell us about yourself and your pronouns and your podcast, Big Queer Book Club. Go ahead, Amanda. I was going to say you go first. Okay,
2: (laughs) I'm Amanda Ott. Um, My pronouns are she, they. And I'm
3: Kendra, and my pronouns are she, her.
2: And we together do Big Queer
3: Book Club Podcast. It is a podcast from two queers in Midwest United States, hailing from Kansas City. And we (laughs) talk about books, whether they are by queer authors or have queer characters or all of the above. And then we invite super cool queer or queer allies to talk
2: about them with us. <laughs> you can tell we don't have to describe ourselves very often. Hi. okay, <laughs> it's just fine. You did a great job. But it's clearly like you could be more succinct and direct with oh, what our message is. So you know? we just spoke with... Um, Sorry, we're just going to pause for like a marketing meeting real quick.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's get the messaging correct here, right? <laughs> right?
3: One of our most recent episodes, we talked to Sam Britton from Trevor Project, and Sam
2: speaks... Oof. Their Very job is like, to speak to people. Like, they uh, speak in front of Congress all the time. Oh yeah, cool, incredible impressive. speaker. That's and
3: that's so awesome. They're like, Sam, tell us about yourself. And they were like, boom, boom, boom. And I was like,
1: goddamn, <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, you have to have like a spiel ready for yourself.
0: I'm the worst at um, introing myself. I actually had uh, an experience with that today at my job, where we were. Mm. I just like don't know what happened to me, but I was just like. I'm a Persis. I started a month ago. It was a new job. I mean, maybe it was better than I I thought, but sometimes I was just like, what do I say? Mm -hmm.
1: Maybe it just came out more authentic that way. Right. Like it hadn't been rehearsed. Exactly. Uh Yeah. If you were like, I'm Persis Abraham. I was born on September 28th, 1995.
0: (laughs) They'd be like, I'm a Libra, Sun, Scorpio, Moon, (laughs) Capricorn, Rising.
1: (laughs) And if you want to learn more about that, you can listen to our episode with astrologist Amelia Earhart. We're like asking you guys to talk about your pod and just completely oh interrupting God. you and plugging yeah. our own episodes.
2: I kind of love it, though.
1: No, please continue. Tell us more. Tell us more. Or if you don't have anything else to say, Wait, I fine. think that's yeah. it. We're
2: queer people. We read queer books, and we talk to people about said queer books mm-hmm. to get more people to read those queer books
1: yeah you guys have you guys are like goals for guests like the guests you have on are just like so cool and and like making an actual impact in what in whatever their discipline is whether they're actors or yeah like a part of the trevor project or whatever it is I feel like we've
3: been so lucky when we started this thing out. Amanda came to me and was like, let's do this thing. And I was like, you're crazy. No one's going to say yes. <laughs> and I am so grateful and amazed every well, yeah, we time were, someone says yes. People said yes. What do we
2: do now? We can't back out now. No, we're in it. So, Varun was the first guest. Varun's Ranga. That blew my mind. I know. That's so cool. And we were like, then, shit, now we got to mm-hmm. really like do this we yeah. can't just joke about doing it yeah, yeah how did you guys that.
1: feel when you when you landed the girls from girl on girl like what did you yeah, what like, was the reaction in, yeah. like, I called
2: Kendra it. and I was like Kendra oh my god and I was like Kendra oh, I guess I'll do
3: that I, might just
2: <laughs> say. <laughs> I will say I have to <laughs> credit you guys for us reaching out to Umberly Gonzalez because yes. I had seen, so I think it went, I recently watched Ginny in Georgia mm-hmm. and was intrigued by everyone on that show mm-hmm. and was just looking up like who the actors were. And I had seen her name, like click her name. And then she had recently been on your podcast. Yeah. So yeah. I listened to Umberly's episode and then I was like, oh my God, that's mm-hmm. so cool. This podcast is so cool. That was my first interaction with your podcast. And so oh, sweet. I was like, okay, continue listening mm-hmm. to the podcast. But then also, like, let's try and get Emirly Gonzalez, and she said yes.
1: Yeah, um, Emberly is like so down to chat, like down to hang, down to chat. She like, yeah. you know what I mean? She's just very open to every opportunity.
3: She's a busy, busy girl. Like, she's always doing something.
0: Yeah, oh, yeah. always. Actually, I was talking to her not long ago because um, I. Uh, got the book Stray City after you guys promoted the book. And I was like, oh, right. I'm very intrigued because she was telling me about how she was on your guys's podcast. And then she was like, it's the story about um, a lesbian gets like pregnant after like sex with a man. And I just remember being like, that would be my nightmare. Like just going on like a drunken, I just have a, a drunken night outfit. I just have sex with a man and then get pregnant. Like,
1: let's just try it once. Book. <laughs> I feel like we have to give you some credit because when we were on your pod, we admitted that both of us are not really readers. Like we love movies, which is what we're talking about on today's episode, but we're both just like, we've struggled with reading consistently. It's like this weird thing. And I have to say ever since that episode, we've both been reading more. And I even, I even gave Persis a queer book for her birthday. Can you guys, if you want to, before we dive into today's topic, share a little bit about your experiences as two queer folk whether it's your coming out experience or just what it was like for you growing up queer gosh that is a broad question i know i know um any little tidbits how you feel like share time you sharing? lost your virginity to a woman yeah. oh gosh I think you would. okay tell
2: so well, i
3: had in I'll detail tell you tell this us. so oh, cool. I, I didn't think was 15 oh lord i was young good girl, girl power had only ever mildly badly kissed a boy in like seventh grade and then nothing after that until I was 15 and then I was hanging out with a friend of mine it was nice because she was the person that I was able to go to and I was kind of realizing you know all of my queerness and we kind of went through these steps together and so that was really nice and we could be very open and honest with each other and then she snagged a porn from her dad's porn stash and brought it over and we're like do you want to give this a try and i was like uh yeah let's go ahead and give this a try like whatever. and then One thing led to
2: another and that was literally just like And you're like we did pages sixty (laughs) nine I was gonna ask you guys took some notes or something like
1: Yeah, wait, was it like a was it like an erotic novel? I don't know why I did this. Like you wouldn't know what a like a movie. Oh Oh, movie. Okay. So it was like
3: a no, okay, but it was actually a sophomore porn. So Okay. 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 Probably a good like first step Uh into the world of of porn when you're fifteen years old. But um Wow, yeah, it was like a very sudden experience. He was like, Do you want to? And I was like, Yeah, totally. And
1: had you kissed
2: this girl prior to this? No, no, you straight into, yeah, like
1: that's a that (laughs) is a leap. Like, I have to say, (laughs) and afterwards, I was like, Holy, (laughs) you're like, Well, that
0: that went from like zero to 100, literally,
3: yeah, yeah, literally. So that's mine. There you go, wow.
2: Damn. What about you? I mean, I, I think you should want to top that. I have an embarrassing story that involves porn, but it is in really no way related to me being queer. Did you get caught watching porn? I'll still tell it. And like, okay, I will still tell it you <laughs> if you want to. So I somehow became the person in my family that made slideshows again this this is a little bit before your time slideshows with music were a cool thing (laughs) no we did that too we did that too (laughs) but i was in like the first iteration of that you're probably like right as it's about to get real uncool anyway (laughs) it was my grandpa's 80th birthday and uh, my grandma had asked me to like make slideshows for his birthday so i did and we're from podunk nowhere we have his birthday in the community building in this town that's got like 50 people in it. And I was, I had been with a girl at the time for, I don't know, two and a half, three years. And I took the DVD player from the bedroom <gasps> to the, <laughs> to the oh community God. building in the town of 50 people where all my closest relatives and extended <gasps> relatives have gathered to celebrate my grandpa's 80th birthday. Oh my god. It's good. It's good. <clears throat> and so we do the lunch and whatever. <laughs> and it's during the day. <laughs> Middle of the day. I believe it was Saturday. Um, we've eaten lunch. <laughs> they get All my grandpa and his brothers and sisters were like everybody that's 75 plus and they put them on the front row eight feet from the television. My sister and I go over and we're hooking up cables there was a tv there we just brought the dvd player so like i'm i think i was hooking up the dvd player and my sister hit power on the tv the dvd player had been on apparently and <laughs> also surprisingly there was a dvd in the dvd player it was titled blonde beaver <laughs> <laughs> oh my so my sister turns on the tv oh and it's God. like on the menu page it's been playing with its like horn music. <laughs> oh my god. A big, like vagina, like lady lady with her legs friend this says blonde beaver. No music thing. <laughs> and no. I swear to you it felt like half an hour past. <laughs> but I was I'm sure it was slow motion reaching for the power button on television. <laughs> um. To turn it off and it worked. And like everyone's just like <gasps> <laughs>
0: That doesn't, that almost feels like that's not real, like that actually happened to you.
2: Yes. I'm pretty sure the front row, the elderly population, didn't really understand what had happened.
0: Okay. Everyone
2: under the age of 50 knew exactly what happened. I, once I hit the power button, I basically, I was as near fainting as I've ever been. I left the building. I just walked out the front door, oh, left, left in the corner of the oh, building, and I'm pretty sure my sister like hit eject, put in the real DVD, <laughs> hit play, <laughs> turned it on. I, bench- I gave like 15 minutes. I came back in as quietly as possible. I snuck into the kitchen. And I didn't leave the kitchen until the thing was over, until everybody's packing up and going home. Uh-huh. And I was also not out at the time to everyone, so i was like it's my roommate's dvd player
1: <laughs> always blame the know.
2: roommate. always always <laughs> we uh we had a two bedroom uh oh home God. and there was a bed in the second bedroom i just oh. never used sure. it. sure mm-hmm. i was like it's okay. my roommate's dvd player and i didn't know what was in there like sure oh you didn't God. sure you didn't know and I, I didn't know there was porn in the dvd player i would have taken it
1: out had i known that but wait was it yours no it was hers oh so it actually it was didn't... oh okay okay well, it is. <laughs> no I also didn't believe you <laughs> uh,
2: I mean I wouldn't blame anyone who didn't believe me but
1: oh my god the
2: ultimate most mortifying moment I'm not sure that town has ever seen pornography before.
1: <laughs> yeah that was a first it's going so, down in the history books yeah <clears throat> good title and, good title
2: blonde I like the
1: alliteration
2: <laughs> yeah Shortened to the point. That is unlike our podcast. Great things
3: <laughs> about, <laughs> They do tend to be like the alliteration is really strong. Uh-huh. And I'm mm-hmm. not beating around the bush. Too <laughs> 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 Wow. Oh, I,
1: could
2: I don't know if you guys are gonna have so any usable audio for this episode. All of
1: that I'm audio. I hope it's you know just that, just that is all staying in here.
2: <laughs> That's all. The book club. Hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. and where can people listen to big group book club everywhere right
2: yeah. everywhere you get your podcast we hope every once in a while there's a tech problem that's like why isn't it posting on itunes yeah right. i don't know I yeah. mean, I might get, i'm gonna
1: get a little top up because your girl's running low but i'll oh, be back in literally wait. 0.5 okay seconds. listen while persis gets a top up i'm gonna segue here from dvd players into dvds okay. into movies into you know what I'm saying okay I'm the queen yeah. of that
2: brain going. here's how I'm gonna segue that mm-hmm.
1: listen mm-hmm. there's a lot going on up here <laughs> okay <clears throat> today we're gonna be talking about basically when we were on your pod we were talking about books obviously one book in particular but we were also we kind of like got off topic because it's us and started talking about how much we all love movies so much and so we were like when you come on our pod let's talk about movies and why not make them films that were adapted from popular queer books? And so that's what we're gonna talk about today. We have a little list. We can always do some like honorable mentions. We, me and Pers were talking about how like, there's probably so many that we didn't think to put on this list and maybe we haven't seen, um, but these were kind of like, the for some reason, the ones that came top to mind. Some of them are kind of like obscure maybe, or maybe you wouldn't think of them right away, but they're all adapted from, pretty much all adapted from novels, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, all of them. And yeah. I just watched a few of them for the first time this week.
2: Really? Ooh, which ones? <clears throat> yeah, please start us off by telling us which ones you watched for the first time.
1: Disobedience.
2: Okay. Oh, okay.
1: Fried green tomatoes that I had never seen.
2: <gasps> You're welcome. What? I'd never Thank seen that you. one
1: either. I never <laughs> heard of fried green tomatoes. What? I watched it last night. <laughs> yeah. I know. I know. Yeah. Okay. I had heard of it, but I hadn't seen it. So I I get like that I've heard of it.
2: So I would imagine you've not read the book. You just just saw the movie, correct?
1: Correct. Correct. I haven't read any of these books.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that makes you
3: feel better. I frantically listened to disobedience on Audible the last two days and I still didn't finish it, but
1: Oh my God, commitment right there.
3: I the things I will do for you. Thank you so much. I I didn't do a
1: single audible moment. (laughs) (laughs) Like not even a one. Um, So
2: we're talking about disobedience then, since that was the first one you mentioned.
1: Let's do it. Let's do it. Persis has been telling me about disobedience for years and years. I've never watched it um, until this week. It is so
0: good. And I, I did read the book too. Yes.
1: Oh, you did. Okay. So I'm the only one. Yes.
0: So as we all know, um, It's a film adaptation of the novel by Naomi Alderman, stars Rachel Wise as Ronit and then Rachel McAdams as Esty and Alessandra Novala. I hope I'm saying these names right, by the way, Alessandra Novala as Dovid. So just a quick summary of the movie and the film after the death of her father, Ronit, a young woman returns to an Orthodox community that cast her out as a child. However, she ends up igniting her passion for her childhood friend, who is Esty.
1: Ooh la la. <laughs> I'm just gonna jump right in and say, when I like watching this for the first time, all I could think, and I texted this to Persis too, she was like, How are you liking it? I was like, This shit is bleak. Like, yeah. the yeah. whole movie was just shades of gray. I was like I'm worried about these people like they're not getting enough vitamin D like you know yeah. it's just a lot but I understand it's like melancholia in a movie but I just had to say that right away
3: I'm I'm so glad that you point that out because color schemes in movies just I just love it and especially when like you I mean you recognize it without realizing it but um, being able to represent oppression using color the way they did I just think it is amazing and props to the cinematographer for that film because mm-hmm. I love it
1: yeah I agree that was like my first reaction and then by the end I was like color was not needed here the like the way this I, I love when cinemat I love cinematography and how it can make grayscale be so like vivid and purposeful in some way.
2: Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah, I think that I wanted to, I'm pretty sure if I'm remembering this correctly, I really wanted to see the movie, but I hadn't read the the book yet either. So I'm pretty sure that I, we watched, my wife and I watched the movie, and then I I started the book because Mm -hmm. I thought, you know, the book generally is always better than the movie. Mm -hmm. So I didn't want to disappoint myself by reading the book and then watching the movie. So I did them in the other order. And I felt like the pace of the movie definitely started slower than the book, but that just could be because I was already queued up to what was going to happen, Mm -hmm. so maybe the book went by quicker.
3: Mm. I No, I agree with you on that because, like I said, having just started reading the book (laughs) yesterday, um, (laughs) I think I texted you, didn't Uh I? And I said, this is actually a lot lighter than than the movie Um, because Ronit is... Like, she's very dry, sarcastic in the the film, but you can also tell that she's very uncomfortable being there. And in the book, I feel like she's just like, whatever, these people have already cast me out. Like, mm-hmm. what do I have to lose? And so she's a lot more free with her. And gives no fucks. About <laughs> That's sex. a
0: good point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I yeah.
3: like that a lot more because... and And just the characters in general just seem a lot lighter yeah Mm -hmm. and I haven't finished it yet so I don't really know how where it goes but
1: that makes me happy because I'm not a huge Rachel Wise fan anyway sorry to anyone who loves I don't know what it is about her I wish I could get on board but I've just never been I wish I wish but there's something like I'm glad I'm glad the book does that because I just felt like yeah there were moments of her wittiness sarcastic energy and then there were moments where she would just, like, be staring at someone so intensely. It's clearly so uncomfortable in a situation. It just felt unrealistic, like, in a situation where she's just standing in a room with a few people. Do you guys know what I mean? Like, No, I know what uh, you mean. There were just moments where I was like, this is, the acting is, like, t- at a 10, and we kind of needed to be at, like, a 7. You know what I mean? To, for it to be realistic, because this is an indie drama. Like, it's supposed to be very authentic. Maybe that maybe that's just my weird thing with Rachel Wise. <laughs> yeah,
3: I would agree, yeah. Back on it and trying to remember and I I want to go back and watch it again for sure. But is that because she is like is it she is she acting maybe a little too much or in the movie she is a photographer uh-huh. is she observing her situation from a photographer's
2: like a lens
1: I'm, like mm, yeah good point Kendra that's I mean. a very good point <laughs> astute <laughs> observation I'm taking, I listen, <laughs> listen I don't doubt that's the truth but I'm just saying if I was in a room with Rachel Weiss and she was looking at me like that I'd be like are you, Along with okay, you. are you breathing like <laughs> do I need God. to take you to the hospital like <laughs> I think I have I think I have like a Yeah, I maybe need to look into this hatred of Rachel Wise.
0: She has such an intense persona to her. Like, even in other movies, I feel like every time I watch Rachel, she's always playing, like, an intense person, like, (laughs) of some sort. Which
3: is funny because The Mummy, she's, like, she's such a a whimsical actor in that. And she does such a great job in that. And then, um, and I'm curious if your disdain for her is her as an actor or her not amazing movie choices i've watched several of her films and i do not like them
1: Mm. i I don't know it might be yeah it might be that maybe it's just that i've never seen her in a role that i've been like yes to this role maybe that's what it is
3: perhaps i still think she's gorgeous though So, I always come back. I mean, I'm Uh, not gonna. It's like like, Jake Dillon. away. I hate most of his movies. Not most. But I hate a good chunk of his movies. And he's my my man. He's your your man. But I will still go back to him.
1: Oh, yeah. I'll defend Jake. We all have that. There we go. (laughs) (laughs) I'll defend Jake to the depths of the earth. Actually, Jake and Rachel have like kind of a similar thing going. They got like the big eyes. Yeah. Yeah. Like the dark features. They like to choose
3: the kind of weirder or more intense movies that are not everyone's cup of tea, which is, (laughs) I mean, great for them. Like, you know, you do, but.
1: Yeah. How do we feel about Rachel McAdams in this movie?
3: I love her in every movie. She's
0: everything (laughs) in this movie. I will defend Rachel McAdams forever. Like, she can play any role. Like, someone fight me, but
1: her as Esty in
0: this, I was like. No, okay, good. No one's fighting because I, she kind of is what, like, carried the movie for me, to be honest,
1: mm. was Rachel's
0: character. I loved her. She was so believable. It was realistic. Yeah. And re- I also have a crush on Rachel McAdams, so. Oh,
3: yeah,
0: I mean, who doesn't, yeah. really? Uh, seriously.
3: Because, like, okay, so I, I watched Mean Girls um, only just last year, and so, like, looking at her in Mean Girls and having seen her in so many other things, I'm like, this is not, this. that's not her.
2: That's not her. She's played a wide range of things. Uh And
3: I love the movie
2: um, Midnight in Paris.
3: Mm. Yeah, And I always forget that she's in it too. And I love when you forget that an actor is in something because Mm. it shows that they are embodying their character and they're not just the actor in this movie.
1: Yeah, she always plays such a lovable person. And then Midnight in Paris she's like the total opposite. You don't like her. Yeah. I hate
2: her. I will say the one thing that I found out in making sure that I was going to be cognizant of what I was spouting across the microphone today, is that um, (laughs) it did say there was an article that talked about the author of the book, Naomi Alderman, and that it wasn't necessarily based on any of her personal experiences, but she did stop practicing the Jewish religion after she wrote this book. Oh, wow. Wow. This is like, this was like her goodbye. I think her writing it and I this is not uh in this article this is just my perspective Mm -hmm. what I'm absorbing and gonna spit back out is that she went to write about the Jewish community that she was a part of and then in putting it on paper you start to see like how screwed up some of this stuff is Mm -hmm. and that led to her decision possibly to be like this is this isn't what I'm comfortable with anymore
1: yeah that's That's really cool I was going to ask if, like, this was some sort of, you know, inspired story. Like, some something was real in this. So, was she
3: an ortho- Orthodox Jew? Like,
2: uh, I didn't go that – I didn't read
3: no, the, okay. far enough in that article just to the, see. Just the Jewish faith is, it is
2: no longer her thing. Yeah, I can't – I don't want to speak on it because I can't sure. be 100% sure. Sure, sure.
1: Can you guys explain something to me? And spoiler alert, spoiler alert, if you haven't watched Disobedience, why – didn't Esty just go with Ronit? Um, is there a reason that I missed?
2: Here's the thing, because Ronit, I will say it not explicit, like, the book doesn't say explicitly, here's why I'm not going to go with you. mm, I think Ronit is a,
3: in general, like, a stronger person, or maybe a more, uh, what is it, what is it that I'm thinking of? Like, does not just, she's uh, like a non conforming kind of a person. From what I can tell in the book, there are little stories in there that kind of paint her as a little bit of a fuck, what's the word I'm looking like, for? Mm, I don't a rebel? That. Yeah, rebel, but like I didn't mean it as like a oh, like, oh, rebel.
2: Or like a free spirit, maybe? Yeah, maybe just a free spirit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like that's and how that, she was until she decided to go into this relationship and end up in a situation, mm-hmm. and at the end she's going, I can't take that anymore, I'm going to go back to how I wanted to be. Yeah. So she is, but she fits herself in this box for a period of time. Ronit or SD I'm sorry, Esty. Oh, I'm I'm was talking talking about. About You're Ronit. talking about Ronit. I'm talking about We're Ronit. having two different conversations. And <laughs>
3: <laughs> I think Ronit was like, you know, the the explosion after her thing with SD came to light, and she was like, this is I can't, I can't be like put in this little box mm-hmm. like this. I'm out. And, um, and I think there are people that are just more afraid than of change. Yeah.
0: Right?
3: I think their whole I, life. Like, you think this is their community. Like this is their everything. Their entire lives are based around their religion and this small community. So to have to give that up. And I think a lot of people that are in a very strong religious community face that issue you know they want to get out of it but you have to start over completely and that's hard for a lot of people so i think in the end especially because she's having a kid uh i mean that would be a lot of really big change also i'm really glad that i'll be honest i i'm glad she didn't go with rennie like because that would be too like too perfect, yeah. Too perfect. And yeah. I mean, guys haven't seen each other in how many years, and like yeah. you've been with each other for
0: two weeks, maybe. And you know, I forgot about the timeline of all that, too. It's like, yeah, it may, it may not make sense realistically,
1: right? It would have been like a nice bow on the end, but I, I agree. I didn't want her to go, but I guess, and I, I totally hear what you're saying, but I guess I'm a, like a little bit of a runner and i just kind of felt like okay you already made this incredibly hard decision to leave your husband which obviously is not okay in your community and you're just going to stay there so mine was like if it was me i'd run for the hills like and face face the music of my decision to you know but i mean i'm not esty or anything like that
2: uh i felt the same thing like i because she'd already kind of blown the whole thing up. Like, you're already leaving this life that you built for yourself. Like, I wanted her to go also to New York and start living that life. But my assumption was that she'd already done this huge thing and leaving uh, North London, I think is where it was set, the limited support system she might still have becoming then a single mother, like moving away from that too, across to another continent. I just think she was like taking a calculated risk. She would, she did this one step, but also going, "But I'm about to be responsible for another human being, so, in the best interest of my child, I'm going to stay here where it's you know maybe safer for me mm-hmm. to yeah. start off on
1: that adventure." Yeah, that makes sense. Can we give a shout out mm-hmm. to Rachel McAdams' British accent for a sec? Oh, for Yes, sure. it was really good. Yeah. good accent, yeah. Mm-hmm. I was nervous at first. I was like, "Oh no, I like, am the
3: worst critic." for non-english people using a british accent like me too and i'm like oh you didn't say that one right like same like, the one word they say through the entire movie and be like <laughs> <laughs> okay, guys,
2: they so failed we <laughs> compare everyone to piper parabo and imagine me and you <laughs> and her accent <laughs> oh my gosh wait uh, i can't remember it she, that's yeah. the one with her and Lena Headey, and just, she, like, leaves her husband after separate. they get married for the flower, the
1: florist. Sarah, um,
0: I tried to make you watch that during Pride.
1: No, I, I did, but I can't remember the accent. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it just not... seems practiced. Yeah. 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 And there,
2: are, I saw different, kind of, interviews or articles where people comment about yeah. it not being a Great British accent. Like, I think it's passing, of course, but it just sounds like she's trying.
3: Uh-huh, yeah. It wasn't where, natural. Um, Can I side note, because that's what I do all day? Yeah. My least, all-time least favorite British accent is uh, Drew Barrymore in, was that movie from the 90s where she plays Cinderella?
0: Oh, I've never seen it. But I know what you're talking about. I can see like the
3: title of the movie and the. (gasps) Is that what it's called with Drew Barrymore? Uh Yeah. Yeah hate it. Hate it. Like I refuse to watch it again because I just remember and maybe I'm remembering it worse than it actually was, like,
2: I sure will.
1: But
3: uh can't can't deal with it.
1: Damn. Oh, this movie. Cool. Oh, no. Do, yeah, I Drew Barrymore is also on my Rachel Wise list. Oh no. What's, I what's, I love her. I what's going on with me?
0: I'm not going to lie. I'm a I am a Drew Barrymore girl. Love her. But I I also feel like Drew has such a distinct voice that uh-huh. I don't even know if I could picture her like ex- like doing an accent. Uh-huh. <laughs> I can't. She needs to have the Drew classic Drew right. voice. And her when she talks her mouth is like Oh no, she's
2: Have you seen uh, Sarah Paulson's (laughs) impression of Drew Barrymore? Oh,
1: so good. Sarah Paulson's no. Yeah.
2: Yeah. You should just YouTube it sometimes. She's done it on a couple, like Jimmy Fallon or something like that. Or maybe it was Ellen. I don't know. But she's done it numerous times and it's really good.
1: Okay. I'm definitely going to do that because I love Sarah Paulson. Moving forward. forward. Moving forward. Let's talk about fried green tomatoes because I feel like we're all kind of stoked to talk about this. And let's just toss it right over to you guys because this was your suggestion and thank God it was
2: it was Mm -hmm. so we this is my number one favorite movie my number one favorite book i read it here it's tough i love that yeah and we had emmy italiana she's a french musician who uh has had some uh involvement with winona Earp, the show and the conventions that's how we came to know of her Uh, but we had her on the podcast to talk about this book Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's so cool yeah, it is.
3: I would say it's probably, I mean, it's not my number one favorite movie. It probably has made top eight. I'll say that. Wow. Um, wow. But it definitely is number one favorite book. Um, it is, I had to stop reading it every year because I did like Amanda for a long time. I would just read it every, every year. And I kind of had to stop doing that because I go into a state of mourning at the once I finished it, because mm-hmm. like these characters are my family and um, and I'm just so, so sad to end the book. And mm.
2: It is sad when you finish it every time. It's just so sad. I literally cry. Just, I just, wow. yeah. do you mind if I read a summary of the book? book? Yes, 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 yes. Okay, do. So it is by Fanny Flagg and it was published in 1987 and the summary reads, it weaves together the past and the present through the blossoming friendship between Evelyn Couch, a middle-aged housewife, and Ninny Threadgood, an elderly woman who lives in a nursing home. Uh, every week, Evelyn visits Ninny, who tells her stories about her youth in the town of Whistlestop, Alabama, where her sister-in-law, Iggy, and her friend Ruth ran a cafe. Uh, these stories, along with Ninny's friendship, <laughs> enable Evan- <laughs> Evelyn to begin a new, satisfying life while allowing the people and stories of Nini's youth to live on. What do you have to say about this? Are you ready to interject? That's <laughs> no, I feel I just, like that leaves at a lot of the story in the book. Though also, like I'm kind of I'm kind of mad about the summary that I snagged from the internet because there's also uh, a lot about several collector.
3: Colored
2: <laughs> several <laughs> characters yeah. who are people of color mm-hmm. who have really interesting stories yeah. in this book, and that summary skipped over all of those. So I I think
3: this this book had a huge part. Well, okay, I didn't read the book until I was <laughs> about to say I've
2: never read, I no. didn't
3: read the book <laughs> I
2: didn't ever, until I was a teenager.
3: <laughs> but the at least the movie, um, really formed my perspective on, on how I feel for people that are not like me Mm
0: -hmm.
3: or say people that don't look like me, people of color. It is, you know, very like pro love everybody. And it, you know, there's a lot of involvement with the KKK in Mm -hmm. in this story. And, um, and I love how Edgy likes to make them Look super foolish and ridiculous, and call them out on their bullshit. but um I think it was just a very like influential book in in mm-hmm. my life, and summaries like that irritate me because in the movie, the relationship between AG and Ruth is a very close friendship. And in the book, it is a relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a child together. Mm-hmm. They are together, like when they get together. A.G.'s dad says, you have a family now, Mm -hmm. you need to support them. Right. And like, acknowledge it, that Mm -hmm. they are a family.
2: Yeah, that's why I was gonna say, if you haven't read the book, I highly recommend you do read the book, because they're, they're clearly together in the book, and there's a lot more more story in the book than just what you see in the movie. So many incredible characters, and I love how they go
3: into these incredible stories about these side characters. That just make you love them so much. And it really, like, paints this broad picture of this town that, I mean, I would actually hate to live in. But it makes me want to live in this little tiny town of Whistle Stop that has one street. Yeah. And the, the train tracks go right alongside it. And
1: Yeah. Well, when I... So, I haven't read... The book unfortunately yet I will but when I was looking up the differences between them it said exactly those two things first of all there are all these incredibly rich characters of color in the book and it's just like completely blown over in the film like you like watching the film I would have never guessed that the book had any storyline involving the BIPOC characters that were alongside them in the movie Mm -hmm and just the fact that like in the book they're in a relationship they're Mm -hmm. they're wives and in the film it's implied but never explicit which is a very common thing that happens in queer rep um and i found this article where this girl was talking about how much she just like adores this movie in this book and she was saying that at the time 91 when the movie came out there was no great lesbian representation anywhere it was either like Lesbians are murderers or criminals, um, you know, or like femme patels. Or it was just completely implied, like total queer baiting. There was no actual relationship happening at all. And something about, even though the movie didn't go as explicit as the book, there was still something about the movie that was like almost like moving a little further forward into the gray space that felt like she celebrated it so much. She saw it like a million times in theaters because she was like, this, I know they're in a relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's almost like implied enough at the time. I thought that was cool. As a kid, I asked my mom, I'm like, I just, I just don't
3: understand. Are they friends or is there something more? And she's like, no, they're friends.
1: Okay. They're
0: just very close friends.
1: <laughs> they're just best friends. They're just best right. friends.
0: The scene where, cause when I was watching it too, I was telling Sarah earlier that I was kind of waiting for the queer stuff to happen. Because I kept being like, when is this going to happen? I don't really get it yet. Gay. <laughs> the- I'm just waiting for the gay We're stuff. We're you
2: into, re- into watching this movie. But
0: Literally. then it was specifically the scene where Ruth kisses um, Iggy like, on the cheek, mm-hmm. and, like, by that lake. And I was like, that's the stuff.
1: <laughs> that it is, is, is the stuff. That I know. Is it's the like stuff. just grabbing little bits of bait.
3: Because that scene is so is also like so satisfying at the same time though like it's a nothing like I mean Uh it's not like whatever but also the way and this I think that's the scene that like makes it the most confusing too because Iggy's so broken-hearted that Ruth is gonna go off and get married yep and you just see her just completely deflate Mm-hmm. and then Ruth kisses her on the cheek and you know that was probably like the most amazing thing to happen mm-hmm. to her but also she's just so and she like
2: sad. leans into it a little uh-huh. bit and, like yeah. oh yeah there's a lot of subtext you know she just wanted to
3: turn her head and like
2: oh oops I will oh, say I, yeah. you know, I probably saw this movie for the first time when I was I don't know 11 and I I didn't understand why I loved this movie so much until mm-hmm. Until I, probably, until I read the book, I would say, which I didn't read the book until I was maybe 24. So I watched it every time it came on TV. I stopped what I was doing, watched it, cried every time the movie played. Wow. And I was really like pulled to this movie. I didn't even, I didn't understand why. And I read the book when I was like 23, 24. They're clearly together in the book. And by that time I was in a relationship. I wasn't all the way out yet, but I was like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> That's why. <laughs> <There's> yay. <laughs> like, I was picking up on it. I saw myself in there. Well, so Woody Threadgood
1: as a kid was me as a kid. Yeah. 100%.
0: Yeah.
1: Oh, I loved her character. I, like, instantly was drawn to her. And looking up, uh, what's the actor's name? Mary. Mary
2: Stuart Masterson. Yes. I saw her in New Orleans a few years ago. My wife and I had gone to New Orleans (sighs) and we were, I think it was our last day there, second to last day there. And we were just walking around the corner, the quarter, we'd gone eat some breakfast or something. And we pass her, she was with a a guy. I think it I think maybe it was her husband. We just passed him on the street and I was like, like AJ, AJ, <laughs> and we just like followed along behind like a half a block, stalking her like crazy people, and for ten minutes or so, and they was like, okay, we gotta leave, oh, we gotta leave, we're creeping, but it was amazing. Yeah, I was just like, yes,
1: okay. <laughs> she was so cool. She was so beautiful. I was, I was just like very drawn to her. I was like, and I think I was a tomboy growing up too. So I was like, okay, I'm, I'm really digging. I'm, and she was just like authentic. The acting was great. I love me a little. Um, what's her name? What's uh Evelyn's name? Kathy Bates. Uh, I love me a Kathy Bates moment. And the Ninny, uh character was nominated for an Oscar for this. Correct. Oh. Uh, It was also nominated for Best Adapted Screenplay, I think.
2: It was, yeah. What's her name? What's her name? Jessica Tandy. Okay. And then Cicely Tyson played Sipsy. She's also. I didn't realize um, that 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 was Cicely. Cicely Tyson. Tyson. I know. I went back and because I recently watched
3: some of her stuff Mm -hmm. and then I was IMDBing her, you know, as you watch things and then you spend half your time on IMDB. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what the fuck? This is like. (laughs)
1: I love IMDB so much.
2: I think I will say there was some controversy around this um, because after, I don't know how soon it was after it came out, but I want to say this was m- mid 90s, um, the queer community kind of picked up on this movie and and the book and were' really into it, clearly. And the author, Fanny Flagg at one point had been asked in an interview, they were talking about the movie not being queer enough I think was what they were talking about and she downplayed it all and said like n- you know they were no they were just really good friends essentially oh, the author said yeah. that oh. yeah and which is clearly not the case because if you read the book they're they're in a relationship they, like they mm-hmm. talk about uh, family and supporting each other's mm-hmm. family so I think that caused some
0: oh bad- no but color. that makes me wonder like was the author just trying to be like, they could be a family, but they are like best friends.
1: But no, because so I'm going to read an excerpt really quick from the book that I found, because this will squash the rumors. OK, when Iji had grinned at her, this is this is Ruth thinking. When Iggy had grinned at her and tried to hand her that jar of honey, all these feelings that she had been trying to hold back came flooding through her. And it was in that second in time that she knew she loved Iggy with all her heart. Are you trying to tell me they're just friends? No. Right? Well, and then when when
3: Ruth is about to leave, Iggy throws this insane tantrum. hmm Like, is in her room, like throwing things, stuff. Yeah. screaming, stomping her feet, yelling at Ruth not to leave, like, don't leave me, I love
1: you. Yeah. Like, that's so interesting. Why do you think the author said that because it's clearly not true
2: i think it had more to do with maybe and again this is just my opinion uh, but i think it had more to do with the studio and maybe the pressures from like producers and executives oh, and stuff yeah. going we want this movie to make money and if it's oh a movie, god it's yeah. yeah much money
1: yeah I, I was even wondering like if it's labeled as a gay book maybe she doesn't make as much money at that time right probably yeah you know likely
3: um I mean like things like Chasing Amy do well because the lesbian falls for the guy. Yeah. You know. Like mm-hmm. you can have a lesbian as long as right. she's straight by the end of the movie. Mm-hmm.
2: So, wow. So wow. I feel
1: like people sleep on this movie and this book sometimes. Mm-hmm. But there's a reason it's my number 1. Mhm. That's too cool. I'm so glad that you guys recommended it because I really loved the movie. I was I was telling Persis it was so 90s, it yeah. was so yeah. 90s, and we are children of the 90s, and like, man, it just took me back. And yeah, I really enjoyed it, and I can't wait to read the book. Okay, let's talk about Boy Erased. Okay, so this is a movie that came out in 2018. It was directed. And written by Joel Edgerton, who I just love. I just love Joel Edgerton. I don't know what it is about him. Um, And it is based on a memoir um, written by, who? who? Oh, crap. Gerard Conley. Thank you. Gerard Conley. And it's a memoir. So it's obviously his story about his life and how he was sent to a conversion camp when he was younger and that whole experience for him lucas hedges plays him in the movie i would just like everyone to know on the record that i saw lucas hedges at a coffee shop in new york and i almost fainted and died and um, it was awesome and he was wearing like the most amazing outfit and he literally he had like a tote bag that literally had lucas written on it in sharpie because i was like is that him? And then that's the tote bag. Anyway.
0: He wanted you to know.
1: Uh, it was a great moment. And also follow him around the block <laughs> for 10 minutes. I was going to buy him a coffee because he was sitting, like, enjoying his life. And I didn't do it. And I'll <gasps> honestly – Sarah, you should have
3: done that. You
0: should have. I mean, he already
1: had a coffee.
3: I was trying
0: to get him to a dessert.
1: Cool. was trying to-
3: and say like buy him a right. cookie or something that's my dream to like just like nonchalantly like walk up and set it on their table and be like have a great day and then walk away or something like
1: that like you gotta do it you gotta do it done. he was sitting right there was just sitting there and he looked so cute it's so wanted to give him a hug <laughs> oh man okay well lucas if you're listening to this like i i missed my chance just to talk to you not to like do anything um <laughs> And then the, uh, Lucas, sorry, the parents in the film are played by Nicole Kidman and Russell Crowe, some unknown actors you've probably never heard of. I don't,
2: I don't um, think they've been in anything else. Never heard
1: of those. No, movies, I, I checked their IMDb and I was like, this is like their only hit, but... Um, they've done
2: they, some soap operas, I think. <laughs> oh <my God>.
1: Yeah. <laughs> some like made for TV movies. But um, they play uh, his very conservative parents and it's all about... Um, a Christian Christian conversion camp that he goes to.
0: Can uh, I give a shout out to Troy Savon? because I totally forgot Troy amen. was in this movie.
1: Yes, yes to that Troy.
3: Is, yeah, he does great. He? Yeah. Have you guys read this book? No, <laughs>
0: no, but I'm adding it to my list <laughs> good. of queer books I got to read.
3: Really good. It is heavy, like yeah. the like the movie, but mm-hmm. heavier. I would say. Yeah, because um, you go more in depth into his head and his situations. We read this the podcast with adeline the a musician, canadian musician, musician
2: and that's, done that's right some work for on earth. earth Which <laughs> it's a theme we've actually never seen that television show but oh yeah that one about and, yeah, uh, yeah like anyway
3: that. um and uh yeah it's super intense i saw the movie before i read the book and didn't love certain parts of it, I'll be honest, I didn't love Russell Crowe in it. Like um, I don't know. I find him hit and miss for me sometimes and not for any real particular reason. Maybe it's like a, a Rachel Wise situation mm. where
2: just sometimes I vibes. just don't like her face. Yeah <laughs> <laughs> Literally. I think that's all it is, you guys. I think that's all it is. <laughs> but then I wrote the book. You're gonna see Rachel Wise in a coffee shop and you're gonna like bump into her and she's gonna <sighs> be
1: so nice to you and like, Oh my am so sorry and she's oh going to be so beautiful and i'm going to be yeah. like do you want a oh, cookie yeah, like yeah. never listen to my podcast like,
0: i feel so bad for everything i've said to you said about <laughs> you
3: <laughs> and then i read the book and i was like oh my god yes he 100% embodies the dad you see what you mean okay. and um, same thing with nicole kidman honestly like only in the last few years have i really gotten on board with nicole kidman like, I was kind of always wishy-washy about her. And then mm. having read the the book, I was like, yes, no one else could have possibly played. Mm.
1: Oh, wow. What was it about? Was it just more backstory or more, you know, description yeah, the of the characters? They,
3: yeah, the way they described the mom, I guess maybe it's because I didn't find her character in the movie believable a little bit to me. The way she is just like, she's very glamorous and she's... Um, and I was like, I just don't feel like this is a preacher's wife. Like, she doesn't strike me as, hmm. as that. And like, you know, she wants to be understanding and she wants to, to learn. And so being able to get the backstory behind the mom, cause like in the book they described, she wouldn't dare walk out of the house without a full face of makeup and her hair completely Mm. like her outfit perfectly orchestrated and, and all of that. And I really think, yeah, I think it just now like looking at that, I'm like, yeah, that totally works.
1: Yeah. That's interesting. I kind of had that same um, reaction to Russell just, and maybe it's a racial wise thing. I don't know. But in this movie in particular, I was like, I don't know, but I'm happy to hear that it's reflected from the book because I mean, it definitely was impactful the way he, the way he, his character interacted with his son. Like, it definitely was, I think it made me feel the way it was supposed to make me feel. Does that mm-hmm. make sense? Which mm-hmm. is, like, anger and sadness and concern and frustration.
0: Yeah. Oh, and then um, Joe Alwyn
1: as well. Oh! Okay. Justice for Joe Alwyn. Do you guys know who this actor is? <laughs> okay. He's Taylor Swift's boyfriend of like four or five years. And I think he could be a really good actor, but the man just like cannot get it together with like his roles and stuff. I don't know why I have this like thing where I think he could do it, but he plays, I don't know if you guys remember when Lucas, the Lucas Hedges character goes to like college and he hooks up with his friend. Yeah. That's Mm -hmm. Joe, but then Joe, he's like kind of an asshole after or something.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yes, I actually kind of like this guy.
3: Oh, he's real cute too, though. Like very cute. I have a thing for maybe slightly pretty boys, so that makes sense. That falls correct. into that yeah. category. He's yeah. very
0: pretty boy. Very pretty mm-hmm. boy.
3: Yeah, I mean, he can play some really shitty characters, like just some real, just real assholes. He plays them very well.
0: You know what he was in? Oh my gosh, the movie just recently. It was with favorite. Them. No, it oh. was with um. Uh oh my gosh, what's her name? I'm blanking so hard. She was in um that movie with Miles Teller, The Spectacular Shailene Now. Shailene Woodley. Shailene Woodley. Letter Love Letters.
1: Oh, letters to my lover or whatever. That yeah. looked real Did you guys watch that? It looked really bad. I watched I, it. Was it good? No. I felt <laughs> sad Okay, cuz I was like this looks awful and I'm so sad about it. I love your but honesty. Joe's in it i am not see a
3: romance I mean? i'm just not i don't like romance movies they make me want to vomit and maybe it's because for so long <laughs> i believed them and yeah. then found out that that's not how love goes <laughs> it was same <laughs> same
1: <laughs> so, clearly yeah i believe
0: in the romance guys
1: Persis still believes. Persis is
2: a believer. Uh, I, believer. I, I like
3: it. I, I'm glad that you are. I think you need believe. to believe.
2: Like I okay. yeah. I I
1: believe I wish... in
3: love, obviously. Clearly. But I
2: dump with your poor wife.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say. <laughs>
2: it's a business transaction. Don't yeah.
1: worry about it. <laughs> wow. Okay. Someone's getting a green card. <laughs> <laughs> um, do we have anything we want to say about Boy Erased? I you know what? I liked this movie. You know, a medium amount, I would give it like a 75 or less percent. Um. If that's like a Rotten Tomatoes, <laughs> that's like pretty good. Yeah. Like I liked it. I think it might be because I love Lucas Hedges. Maybe like I'm a little biased, but I, for me, it was my first look inside the world of conversion therapy. And that's, I think that's why I liked it because I was really interested in seeing what's going to happen. Like what was it like? What was his, you know, all, every therapy camp would have been different, but his experience. And then I really loved how it kind of told his story about, you know, moving on to his adult life and being openly queer, living in New York. Um, I just liked I liked the true story of it all.
3: Now, they did exaggerate it in the movie a bit because um, he does talk about how one of the things he dislikes about the movie is that Like, there's one point where they're hitting him or someone with a Bible.
2: Oh, yeah. And he's like, yeah, "Yeah,
3: there's nothing like that. Like, that kind of thing. Like, the physical abuse Mm -hmm. that happen. But that's not to downplay the emotional and mental Mm -hmm. abuse that happens in it, you know? I mean, I don't think you need to over-exaggerate something that is so terrible. But I guess for maybe people who aren't in the shit to understand it you have to make it a physical abuse
2: which is something that they can mm-hmm. understand i think that's a little thing yeah. yeah that's interesting i'll just say the book is more more detailed obviously mm-hmm. they ha- they can't put everything from the book into the movie yeah so yeah it's just um it's heavier because there's more detail about some of the darker things, but I mean, I think I appreciated that because like you said, if you're wanting to kind of understand someone's experience going through a conversion camp that he's makes a really, he, I mean, his story is very descriptive of that mm-hmm. and very, as far as I can tell, very truthful of his experience yeah. as well. So mm-hmm. I thought it was an important book to have read. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure.
1: Yeah. And I guess going into it, I was kind of under the impression like everyone knows conversion therapy is ridiculous. Everyone who's at the camp is going to be secretly like, we know this is dumb. I know I'm gay or some sort of narrative like that. And I thought it was just it, I was surprised at how much like the main character was really like, let's give this a shot, you know, um, and how his environment growing up in the church, especially with a father as a pastor, minister, pastor. I thought that was for some reason surprised me, I guess, just go because I was going into it being like already f- annoyed and frustrated and angry. I was like, oh, all the people in the camp are going to be angry, too. But he was like, maybe this will work for me. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm going to tie this back to our podcast. So yeah, a recent episode with Sam Brinton that works for the Trevor Project, unfortunately, does have personal experiences with conversion therapy. But they work with. I had a point to what I was going to say. I swear. Hey. Uh
3: they're oh they're like sorry so and,
2: they're the um <laughs> the <laughs> government advocate mm-hmm. and they're working on passing conversion therapy bans in all 50 states and there have been in bands of 37 states yeah something
3: like that that's already. amazing right which so, is like, incredible but when you consider that already over seven hundred thousand people have been subjected to conversion therapy
0: it just doesn't feel real. Like how is, that, how is that still happening now?
3: Yes. How is that happening now in 2021 that only 37
1: states have banned it? Totally. Yeah. Is that in the states, 700,000 people? Yes.
0: Guys. It's, that's the thing. It's like when you, even with Boy Erased, I was like, this was just all in the past. No. It's no, not. it's
1: still very
3: current. And I, I think have a they friend don't who have accurate
2: statistics on that, even. Um, because, no, probably not. So they they're ballparking seven hundred thousand, but they actually believe that it's much well, um, more. That
3: was that was just a couple. Of, that was, and that's an old number from mm-hmm. when Cameron Post came out. Is when mm-hmm. I started reading up on it, and mm-hmm. it blew my mind that it was still a thing. So that was in what twenty eighteen when Cameron Post came out. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. So,
3: three years old information
2: correct it's called the 50 bills 50 states so sam brinton is working to get those bills passed Uh in 50 states to ban conversion therapy doing incredible work
1: yep i tried to find out i can't but i think you're right i think it's like 37 you're right though it's so funny when you talk about progress it's like it's something to celebrate and then it's also like 37 What do you mean 37 states? Like what there's 50. There's let's keep going. Oh (laughs) my God. Yeah. Oh my God. I just like lost my breath for a sec. That's heavy, but I'm 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 eager and nervous to read Boy Mm Race. Yeah. Yeah.
3: You have to be in the right headspace for it. Mm -hmm.
0: I'm love, 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 love this next movie (laughs) so much. Um, we're gonna get into Carol. Have you guys both seen slash read the book? Oh, yes. indeed. Okay, so I haven't read the book. So oh.
3: point lost for me.
0: Again, yeah, it's... we have
3: opinions. So you do, you do your part <laughs> yeah, and then true, we'll true, talk true. about our opinions.
0: Okay, <laughs> okay. so um, it's a 2015 British American film adaptation of the novel Carol. It was directed by Todd Haynes from a screenplay by Phyllis Nagy. Um, The film stars Cate Blanchett as Carol and then Rooney Mara as Therese. Carol was an official selection of the 2015 Canes Film Festival and won the Queer Palm Award. Quick summary of the story is that Rooney Mara's character Therese works at a department store in Manhattan where she sees the beautiful Carol, who is played by Cate Blanchett. And then things take a crazy turn because she starts to develop feelings for Carol.
3: So we also read this book for the podcast. Uh-huh. It's the book is called The Price of Salt by Patricia Highsmith. Correct. Love the movie Carol. Yes. Love, love, love the movie Carol. As of all of the at that time, because that was 2017. The queer lesbian movies that have come out to that point it was 2015. Yeah. Oh wow it was one of my absolute favorites mm-hmm. um because wow. overall i mean it's a main it was a mainstream movie yeah so they had the a list actors. actors they could do this upright and they did and they gave an incredible story it was directed by a man but i did not feel like we got the typical like man gaze yeah you know i would agree whatever like, it was the
1: warmest color Pains.
3: Yeah. And I'm yeah, blue is the warmest color. Like mm-hmm. excellent film if it wasn't so pervy. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
3: So um love the movie.
2: <laughs> so <true. laughs> Um can I interject? There was some, so I feel like as a film student, you'll appreciate this. The cinematographer shot the movie Carol on a super 16 millimeter film.
3: Mm-hmm. On film, which is not something that happens nowadays, and you can absolutely 100% tell, and I love that you said that. I knew would for
2: that. But I huh. feel like there's, I mean, I found it super interesting. Maybe no one else does. So it was originally published in 1952 uh, using the pseudonym Claire Morgan Highsmith. I didn't know. That. And her agent said she was going to be committing career suicide because she had just written a book no <laughs> she didn't write this that <laughs> that was sarah waters i think oh shit you're right um it's like strangers it. on a train or something like that i'm, I'm so sorry i cut it out because i thought it was not going to be important <laughs> but
1: um the girl it, on the train maybe no okay never mind
2: i want to say it's strangers and there's more but anyway okay, she right. had a huge book and did really well and then she wrote this queer book and her agent was like this is career suicide you should not publish this book but they ended up publishing it but under this pseudonym um And it did really well. People enjoyed it wow. because it was one of the first significant novels where there was a conventional happy ending mm-hmm. and that there were characters who had more explicit sexual existence mm-hmm. in the book. Mm-hmm. Into that. Um, and then, so like it pu- went out of publication and then someone wanted to republish it and Someone offered her $5,000 to reprint the book under her own name in 1983, or $2,000 under a pseudonym, if she would republish Uh. it under a pseudonym again. And she ended up taking the money and she published it under her actual name. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was really interesting, like it was kind of controversial the whole way through. And um, part of the reason she was hesitant to publish it under her own name was because she did include experiences that she had actually lived that were true and she was worried about people's perception
1: of that oh wow wow that is so interesting where where did you where did you find this all uh the the internet, the internet.
2: <laughs> w- i'm gonna tell you where it's at it's at www.wikipedia.com
1: <laughs> oh my god Wikipedia. um that is it's so cool wait wait so sorry what year did did this book come out 1952 oh wow okay wow wow so, like wow, 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 wow. i know
2: when carol came out i did not know about this book i was just like gay movie <laughs> up. yeah and what? don't believe that it was i want to say it was a couple years after i'd seen the movie that somehow i found out it was a book mm-hmm. and then i was like i gotta have that yeah and i read it and i loved it you did love it i don't remember I that you loved it but there's I'm... more explicit sex scenes in the book.
1: oh okay i'm definitely gonna read it it's not like Blonde Beaver or anything
2: (laughs) it's way less explicit than
1: Blonde Beaver (laughs) but more explicit than the movie oh my god that's really cool I like that I love like the story behind a film adaption I love it from like beginning to end and I mean they just nailed it with this movie they just absolutely nailed it and I think Rooney and Kate I remember when it was first coming out and I was like Rooney and Kate what a weird what a weird combo but intriguing obviously and then it's just like, for me, it just worked. That's my personal opinion. I was like, immediately, I was like, this works. I get it. The chemistry
0: it. was amazing. I thought the chemistry was really good between them.
1: Oh, it was mm-hmm. incredible. I mean, like. But I like... think
2: um, Kate Blanchett can have chemistry with a wet
1: noodle, if I'm uh-huh. being honest. Straight up. Straight up. I- oh, my God. i pay even start money about to Kate. see that. Love She's it. on my list.
0: Mm-hmm. Exactly.
1: Oh, mm-hmm. gosh, yes. Did you guys um, watch Ocean's 8? Yes. 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 love that movie. Oh, what yeah. do we think
0: about Sandra Bullock and Kate?
1: Uh, yeah. Gotcha. Yes. for it. 100%. People didn't like Ocean's 8. It got like kind of bad reviews. And it was women. all female. Oh. I, I'm like, I'm like, I see myself all up in here.
2: I loved, is- every- I loved. Oh. I loved Aquafina. Oh, love I loved Awkwafina. everyone in that movie. I loved Anne Hathaway yeah. in that
1: movie. I never loved Anne Hathaway, and I was like, "This is <laughs> perfect." And is
2: <laughs> Why is everyone on my shit Girl. list?
3: I love that it's that deemed the Rachel Weiss list. Like, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it's <laughs> the
0: Rachel Weiss list. Yeah, but exactly. Now- That's where it starts.
3: Rachel list.
1: You know? Oh, oh. <laughs> know it's the it. Rachel. You know, yeah. I think that. Um, and on there, but not for Ocean Eight. Ocean's Eight, yeah.
3: Just because um, I mean, you gotta yeah. love it when an actor can kind of make fun of themselves mm-hmm. a little bit, you know? Because she is always seen as like too, like she's always acting, you know. People have never yeah. thought that she's ever been authentic oh, sure. outside of her films you know that's probably
0: what it is yeah
3: yeah and so i think that that was she's like listen i can i can make fun of myself too like i yeah. know this industry is a little bit ridiculous
2: yeah like, yeah that's why i loved it her, her brother is gay uh-huh. and so she's a huge like ally for the
1: huge, queer community yeah Oof, i didn't know that and hathaway i didn't know that either <gasps> okay she's off the list now
3: <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh good but she's spoken at like hrc events uh-huh. and stuff like that too yeah. so yeah she's a big advocate
1: also loved Minnie Cowling. I know that like Ocean's Eight is not the movie we're talking about. For uh,
2: yes. like subtext queer movie. Yes,
1: okay. yes. Because it's oh, not we explicit. Do, like, a subtext queer movie. Right, like Caden <gasps> Sandra. Episode.
0: It's not like ex- it's not really like known.
1: Right. Yeah. It's kind but of. It's, uh,
2: but you could. It's like let a rude, situation. Sort like, of. are, mm. they times, or, are they or Like, has there is there history there?
1: Oh, I think there's history there for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I just don't think they were ever like able to fully
2: commit to each other, right? Because that's just not their thing. Exactly. Neither one of them, I feel Uh like, are
1: commitment types. Yeah. Yeah, and like Sandra was in jail and stuff. (laughs) And you know she did gay stuff in jail. Come on. Oh,
0: (laughs) 100% did some gay
1: stuff. 100%. 100%. 100%. Is there anything else you want to say about Carol? Just such a great movie. Great movie. I I, I love the book. That's uh, Okay. That's good to know. I didn't love it. Agree
3: to disagree. It's not a super long read. That's true. Know? It's very so fast. like I I would say give it a shot because and I I hate like I also hate to say this, but it gets better in the end. Mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. Um the way it's like all resolved and everything like I think it it resolves itself really well but I was just yeah. really frustrated through about 75 percent
1: of it mm. <laughs> so. that's okay that's fair he
3: was indeed
1: I'll still read it I'll put it on my list me too we're gonna ha- we have a lot of homework for you guys to do, we do. Yeah, do really do yeah. I'm okay with it guys we have one more movie left for, for final stretch oh yes. <laughs> and I nice love this movie stuff love it this is a good one miseducation yeah. of cameron post mm-hmm. this movie is set in 1993 a teenager named cameron is caught in the back seat of a car with the prom queen um is it actually the prom queen or is it just like her friend oh, yeah. her, i thought it was her just friend. her friend friend. yeah this, like, summary says prom queen, which is like, I don't know. Like, I hate, I don't like when summaries just like make stuff up for no reason. Like, it was just her friend who she went to prom with,
3: like shock value or something like that. Mm-hmm. Oh, the yeah, prom- like the prom
1: queen. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. That's weird. Anyway, maybe she, she was just like away- popular or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably um cameron sent away to a treatment center in a remote area called god's promise while she's being subjected to questionable gay conversion therapies she bonds with some fellow residents as they pretend to go along with the process while waiting to be released so yeah this one brought up some parallels for me to boy erased just because boy erased was my first experience like learning about conversion therapies um but i i liked this one a lot better this film yeah. a lot better than boy erased
0: me too i liked this film a lot more too and i there was something too didn't I haven't seen this movie in a while, so correct me if I'm wrong. but didn't Cameron's parents die?
1: Yeah, so her parents died when she was young. um it's assumed, and she's being raised by her aunt. question mark yeah, in okay, cool.
2: Says she's being raised by her
1: aunt, and her grandmother. okay, got it not her
2: grandmother, but I remember her aunt
1: yeah, it seems like she's pretty close to her aunt. Um and her aunt is the one who takes her to the conversion therapy. Um clearly clearly the aunt and the whole family is very involved in the church because when they find Cameron in the back of the car with the prom queen, um like the I'm pretty sure it's like the pastor who comes over to the house and talks to the aunt about what Cameron did. Like the church comes over and is like this is what Cameron did. She has to go get therapy now.
2: I've not read the book but um I just and I just watched the movie like two weeks ago before we talked about mm-hmm. doing the movie for this podcast over oh, the first time yeah gotcha not seen it before so i can't i really draw much to the book unfortunately but i uh, i would agree that i liked it better than bore erased but i don't know i can't tell if that's because it seems more palatable to me like i don't mm-hmm. i feel like i've got some internal bias or something that's making me there's the there's a reason or maybe it's because it's the main character is a A female character Mm -hmm. i don't know i will Um, will say i while cameron post
3: outlines the awfulness of conversion therapy i did not find it as shocking as boy erased for sure uh not to say that it downplayed conversion therapy at all but it did not um it was just not as blatantly Horrifying and manipulative and violent, like it is in Boy Erased. Totally.
1: I totally agree. I think that's why I thought it was interesting, was because of how subtle it was, like how subtle the abuse was. Because even when there's a point where something, spoiler, something um, happens to one of the kids at the camp, and someone has to come and kind of like um, assess the care. At the facility and they're interviewing Cameron, who we didn't really say this, but is uh, played by Chloe Grace Moretz, the great. And they're kinda like, Oh, are you being treated badly? Like, are you you and all her answers are like, No, like I'm I'm getting treated okay, like I'm getting fed, I'm getting I have a I have a safe place to sleep, like her answers are all like, Yeah, everything's fine. And then he asks if she trusts the people who run the facility and she says, No. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, of course, not. I thought that was a good representation of how like subtle abuse can be, how emotional abuse. And she says she calls out emo- emotional abuse in that scene. Um, and I bet there are a lot of people who experienced conversion therapy who had that same kind of like more subtle abuse as opposed to maybe the more drastic tale that's told in Boy Erased. I think it's important to like have the, both of those exist out there in the world, you know.
3: Yeah, Well, and I think it's an interesting distinction um, because she she is having to try to convince him at that point that this place is horrible, right. awful, traumatic, and the fact that she has to find ways to convince him of this because there is not blatant mm-hmm. physical abuse happening blows my mind. It's something that, so we went through um, a foster parenting class, and it baffles me that as long as children have a place to sleep and a roof over their heads that a lot of other things are just overlooked
0: mm-hmm. just
3: yep. overlooked they're, they're safe right their basic needs are being met mm-hmm. but all of their other needs are are not but as long as they're physically safe then everything's okay and it's it's not okay and the fact yeah. that asked to I mean that is the scene that stands out most to me that blew my mind is that these things are allowed this is allowed the government allows it to send children like underage children you know I think it's one thing yep. to send adults I think that's horrible but they're adults and they make their own decisions but to send children who cannot make that decision for themselves to something like this and then yeah, well you have a roof
2: over your head and mm-hmm. you're not being abused right they're feeding you they're housing you they're mm-hmm. not hitting
1: you what do you, we can't do anything.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, that's basically what the assessor says. Is assessor a word? I don't know. Yes. But the assessor was like, well, I'm only here to assess whether you're getting fed and like whether you're safe. Cameron was like, oh, what was it? Oh, she was like, they're actively teaching us to hate ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's just so funny because he, this assessor is walking into a conversion therapy camp. It's It's almost like, hello like this is all bad and wrong this is my like aggressive angry self coming out <laughs> like you're walking into a to a bad place like and you're just like it's all good you know what i'm saying yeah <laughs> i yeah. just was like yeah. i don't know
3: i mean what else do you say to that right like yeah it's it's horrible it
1: needs to stop yeah it but I, I liked all the different characters. I liked all the different kids who were at the camp. They all had kind of a different story. I liked the whole iceberg thing. I thought it was cool. Like they used it as a way to try to convert them, but it was almost a better tool for them to figure out why they were gay. <laughs> or like mm-hmm. or why being okay why being gay was okay. Or like I thought that was really cool. Did and you then like
3: me of the iceberg thing, I actually don't remember that part.
1: Yeah, they basically had so like all of them had an iceberg on a piece of paper and the whole idea is like the tip of the iceberg is that they're gay but then the all you know how they say like 90 percent of the icebergs under the water all of those things are like the reason why they think they're gay so it, it would be like gender confusion because i was good at sports like a young boy there might say like oh i did too many like girly things with my mom uh-huh, growing
2: right spent too much time with my mom and her female influence rubbed off on me
1: yes And then, so then they, yeah, so their icebergs were, like, full of these things. Um, Or, like, in Chloe Grace Moretz's case, she she put, like, my parents died. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So all these traumatic slash not traumatic things. And anyway, I thought it was cool. There was a lot of emphasis on this, like, iceberg thing. And then eventually I felt like it was more of a tool for them to be, like, these are, like I don't know, like, more accepting of themselves as opposed to, like, hating themselves. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Realizing these things are what make me me, mm-hmm. and
1: learning
2: and realize that. yeah, and realizing like and that's okay. Like mm-hmm. it's actually not bad. These people are trying to tell me it's bad, but it's not bad. This is just me. Yeah,
3: we don't get enough of that from society.
1: Like, shocking. And I also liked how this movie had like a like I guess you might call it a happy ending, but spoiler alert the. Cameron and a few friends like escape from the yeah. camp, and they head out head out on the open road right. and hitch, hitchhike or whatever. Do
2: we know in the book? Like, does, is that where it ends as well? I don't know. I guess we'll find, Have to find
3: out. <laughs> the unfortunate thing is that for so many people, that is the choice: conversion therapy, and graduate from conversion therapy, or you are out on your own. You're homeless. You're a child. You have no life skills. And so many kids end up in these bad situations. They end up, you know, they're homeless. They uh, get hooked on on drugs or all sorts of things. They, uh, I mean, the, the suicide rate amongst queer kids is outrageously mm-hmm. high. And it's horrifying that those are the choices.
2: Yeah. Even Which to this day. is where I will segue back into Trevor Project. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. yeah with anything the trevor project it's in in resource. that category is a great resource for
1: folks who might feel like they need help
0: yeah it's amazing
1: and if you're interested in learning more about conversion therapy i i would recommend both of both cameron post and boy erase just as like two different two different POVs. you know a female identifying person a male identifying person and just like different time periods also yeah mm-hmm clearly different like therapy um approaches
0: yeah Yeah. they're both very eye-opening though
3: one of the things i i will say i love about uh boy race being a true story is that we get to know what happens afterwards Mm -hmm. and to know that his mom has become like his biggest fan and his biggest advocate i mean they go on tv shows together and she speaks out and goes to all these events to like be the, the mom for all these queer people. And, you know, she will say I was wrong. I didn't know better, but now I know better. And now I'm just making up for, you know, these things that I did to my kid. And like, looking back, I can't even believe that I did this to my kid. And you know, that type of thing.
1: Yeah.
3: Um, That's an example of like (laughs)
0: learning through it, right? Like we're no, no one, I feel like there's so many moments where like you have to do the, she probably has to do the unlearning and then Uh be like, yeah, this is where I'm at. And now I'm like the biggest advocate. I think that's like a really
3: beautiful story
0: to Absolutely. see where she was you then know. and then where she is now.
3: And you don't hear that in, enough. So no. yeah, to be able to see it. Yeah, it was great.
1: Do we have any honorable mentions before we say goodbye to your beautiful faces? <laughs> <laughs> we were gonna, person I were talking about Blue is the Warmest Color because it's actually based on some comic books, which we didn't realize. Uh, one comic book and/or like a series of comic books, hmm. or graphic novels, I guess you could say. Seriously. But we just feel that movie like is controversial enough that like we didn't really want to give maybe too much not. time to it. <laughs> yeah. And then we talked about Brokeback because it's based on like a short story or something. It is, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah my but, knowledge, mm-hmm.
2: it's uh, it's very good. That book's good as well. It is a short, like a novella, maybe.
1: Mm-hmm. Right, know.
2: yeah. Um, I do have an honorable mention. Tell it to the bees is both a book and a movie Mm -hmm. and i loved the book and i loved the movie i enjoyed enjoyed the movie um there's some fantasy like you have to buy in a little bit to some parts of the movie towards the end and i struggle to buy into it (laughs) when it's not like
3: presented as a a fantasy kind of thing and then suddenly i have to suspend my
2: reality reality
3: then i'm like (sighs) (laughs) Right, right, girl, or something, but um, no, it isn't, it is an enjoyable. Yeah. um, I, I definitely want to read the book. Okay, cool, good suggestion. Tell it to the bees yeah. <sighs> who is in, who's in it? I forget,
2: it's um, how's her name? God damn, she Anna packwood Anna Parkway. Yes, uh-huh. there you
3: go. And then the oh. chick that's been in some things that i can never remember her name i always remember that it's interesting and then i see it and i'm like oh it's that oh. i think she's
1: irish or something is she's it... so adorable she's so cute is it holiday granger yes, yes. that's yes. a great I name
0: i love that name holiday
3: granger I, I always want to say hermione and i'm like no no it's not hermione but it's
1: something like <laughs>
3: It's like, <laughs>
1: wow that's a cool name it's also spelled with two l's like yeah. you know that's badass is there anything else you guys want to say or like plug or anything exciting coming down the pipeline I mean, I feel like every guest we have on is exciting Yeah, yeah because, some, because we don't think
2: people are ever going to say yes. And then they do. Right? We've got some authors coming up that uh-huh. we're really excited about. Some erotica about coming up. Erotica. Our first erotica officially. Yeah. I'm
1: so stoked for that I'm one. I'm so oh my excited. God.
2: Yeah. Um, but otherwise I think just listen to the podcast. Uh-huh, the Queer Book Club podcast. Tell your friends. Yeah, post on your
0: Tumblr accounts.
2: I'm going to sign up for Mm -hmm. a Tumblr and see if I can link it to my MySpace account. Oh my
0: god. Oh my
3: god, MySpace. Sorry.
0: For in case you missed it, this one is a very, very sad one. Um, Was this released today? 17 hours ago. Um, A lot of people were paying tribute to the actor Willie Garson, who passed away. I think he was most known for his role as Stanford Blatch in the Sex and the City series.
1: Yeah, he was also in another thing that was really popular called White Collar that he was known for. But like, I think everyone who sees him is like, oh, that's Stanford from Sex and the City. And Stanford was like a very openly gay character, one of Carrie's. Kerry Bradshaw's best friends. He had like the best zingers in the show. Like always had the best lines. He was so cute. And then when they did the Sex and the City movies, he like one of the movies w- started with his wedding. Like the whole thing was like, like launched off his wedding. And I Which just feel one like was, was that? A, I think it was the first one. I don't think it was this the United Arab. M- oh yeah, when they go whatever. to Dubai. <laughs> yes, thank you. I think he was just, like, a huge gay icon in the 90s, like, especially for gay men living in New York. I think, like, that show was, you know, a place for the queer community to to kind of, like, rally around, but Willie Garson's character especially.
0: Yeah. That was a really important character to have in that type of TV, like, series as well.
1: Yeah, and he died of pancreatic cancer. He was only 57, so young. And so sad, but I I do just really, I think, like, everyone celebrating his work and his life and his career, I think, is just, like, everything he probably would have wanted. And he had a beautiful family who seemed to, like, love him really really much, (laughs) very much. And, you know, is just trying to, like, find the good things in the sad moment.
0: Yeah, his son Nathan posted a tribute on his Instagram and said, you'll always be with me, love you more than you will ever know, and I'm glad you can be at peace now.
1: Oh, so sad. But I do think just for the queer community, he's, he was kind of like a, a certain type of representation that was important, of course. And I think like a staple in 90s culture.
0: I think especially for that time.
1: Yeah, definitely. And he'll be remembered and loved. It looks like Hillary Burton from Wentry Hill got like a tattoo for Willie Garson.
0: Oh wow. Yeah, that's really sad. I think Sarah Jessica Parker said something too. She said she's not ready to mourn Willie Garson as many of the co-stars started to pay tribute.
1: Yeah. I think they got really close because they were they played best friends. Definitely. He was just so funny.
0: Yeah, he was. And I think going along with representation, I think Yeah, for that time, there were probably a lot of people who probably would have really appreciated his character and to see that done so authentically.
1: Yeah, and I think it was, like, played up. Like, his character was definitely, like, a character, but I think that's okay, too. Like, that was maybe, like, a type of representation that was needed at that time
0: Mm -hmm. and
1: definitely goes down in the history books as, like, an iconic gay character in TV.
0: I would say so, for sure.
1: We love him, and I might even watch an episode of Sex and the City tonight to honor his life. Yeah. Maybe I'll watch the movie with his <laughs> wedding. 57 is so young. I know. I know. That's, like, atrocious. That's so sad. So sad. He lived while he was here, you know? He really did.
0: hmm I didn't even know he had cancer. Me neither. Anyway, well, rest in peace.
1: R.I.P.
3: And thank
0: you for giving us such an iconic character and for all of your brilliant work and that representation that the queer community definitely needed. Lily Garson.
1: Stanford forever.